0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today and stay up to date with everything happening across Cork. Simply search Facebook for C103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103.
1: Now, as we've mentioned many times this week, we're encouraging people to please support the RNLI's May Day Mile fundraising campaign, which begins tomorrow and runs throughout the month of May. To chat about the incredible work of the lifeboats, I'm joined by Mehol Hurley, who a couple of weeks ago retired after 44 years of uninterrupted service as a crew member with the RNLI. In Court McSherry and me Hall joins me. Good morning, Jimmy Hall.
2: Good morning, Patricia. You are
1: very welcome to the program. Forty-four years' service is quite a record. Can you remember when you first signed up and why?
2: Well, uh, the summer of nineteen seventy-seven, I had just finished uh, civil engineering at the um, the Din Car RTC, and I was working on the pier for the summer, kind of a holiday, socialising job, really. And um, the Din Coxon. Uh, Sam Mertens, who lived in the Coast Guard station, he came up to me one day and he said to me, uh, I say, Mike, old chap, you see a rather splendid fellow. Would you be, he was ex Riley, you know, by the way, I'm taking off his accent. but uh, <laughs> And he said, would you be interested in going to see in the lifeboat? And of course, like I grew up in the village, obviously, only like 200 meters away from the station. And to be asked to go on the lightboat was like sort of better than winning the lottery because, you know, we looked up in awe to the people who ran to the light post station when I was a school boy because the Maroons would be fired at that time. There was no pagers in those days. And when you went to the station, you saw all these sort of uh, sea dogs as we thought they were, you know, when we were on a kind of knee high. And so to be asked to go to sea with, with those type of people was was an honour in itself.
1: And how has the work of the lifeboats changed over those 44 years or has it changed much?
2: Well of course you know that there's the conundrum and that the, the sea is is as most people have found out over the last number of weeks the sea is one of the most beautiful places and West Cork is absolutely endowed with some of the best scenery in the country uh, but equally it's one of the most dangerous places you know you can be obviously and the magic of it is can sometimes hide the fact that it's a, an extremely dangerous place and and you know we've had lots of call outs in the last number of um, bank holiday weekends, uh, so the, the type of casualty has changed in the forty four years and that fishing has sort of gone further offshore. some of the boats have got bigger, the trawlers um, are further out now uh, we don't seem to have as many night calls um, as we did forty four years ago fifty years ago um, you know people are back to. Commun- Communications are better. Their family know now. By eleven o'clock, hopefully, that you know uh, they should have been back at you know six o'clock in the evening. They're not back, so the alarms are raised earlier now. I think, and people are are quite rightly more conscious of phoning in advance and 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 ringing their relatives and say, look, I think we might have a problem here. You you know you could ring the coast guard and start arranging for a lifeboat. You know we don't think we'll be able to get back under our own steam, so. Like, unfortunately, the sea is still in its bad mood; is an evil place, mm. and don't ever be fooled by its beauty. Uh, over this weekend, as well, now, and peace will take utmost care because it will have you in a shot if you are not equal to the task.
1: It's an over. I mean, the the one thing I I assume would have changed over the forty four years as well is the physical lifeboat.
2: Oh, I, in, indeed. I mean, <laughs> like we made jokes about it over the years, and that's you know. Um, we had a soul in class when I joined. Uh, I, when I became full time in 1988, we had a saul in class, and they said that you know it was a very wet boat. To use the kind of a seafaring expression, it was a very wet boat. But no matter how rough it got, it didn't get any wetter. <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't get any wetter. that like on a fine day like today. Now it would almost be like a submarine, you know. But it, but like there was no heating. Uh, the the comforters was very uh, mediocre in those days. Um, And now, of course, all the newer boats now have, have, you know, the the wheelhouse is heated, you know, and uh, there's fans to keep it well ventilated, so you can be quite comfortable now, especially if you're going a long distance out like a trawler. We get usually maybe two long tows every year to broken down fishing boats out about 50 miles. So it would take us, like, on average, two hours to get there but to take us maybe seven or eight or ten hours to tow them back. So it's grand then, once you get the tow established, and sometimes the weather is rough, but a lot of times it could be moderate, you know, just unfastened, they picked up a rope or whatever, and you could be towing back for hours at least. Now you can sit down and you can, you know, put on the, the bilers, like a mini barco bilers, and have a cup of soup and whatever, and look out. So it's a bit of comfort.
1: bit of comfort. that you the comfort. That that
2: that And communications have improved. You know, um, that time, 44 years ago, VHF radio... Um, coverage by the, the, the Coast Guard didn't exist in their current farm then, and the VHF coverage was poor and patchy, I remember, uh, being out in 1981, and the radio messages had to be relayed from uh, Barry's Point to in uh, cornwall for them to make a phone call back to Barry Row, you know, which was a bit, um, would be unheard of now because thankfully for great investment over the years by various governments, uh, the VHF coverage is some of the best in the world now around the coast with mass very frequently around now so that, you know, people can, if they carry a portable VHF or a fixed VHF on a fishing boat, they can easily contact the emergency services.
1: Thank God, thank God. And looking back over the your career of 44 years, some of your standout uh, call-outs, I know one that I think will always remain in your mind is the call-out to the Pleasure Boat off the Seven Heads, 19th of December, 1981. It'll be 40 years ago this December. Talk to me about that night and what happened.
2: Yeah, um, it was, it's actually, you know, Corpenshawley Harbour itself is, is actually quite deceptive in that, you know, when the wind is southerly or southeasterly, the harbour itself can be quite calm and can can completely mask the, um, the conditions further out at sea. So, when the call came that day, I happened to be working just only you know, half a mile down from the lifeboat station and uh, I ran to the lifeboat station and they said there's a call, there's a, a fishing boat, um, or a pleasure boat, after getting uh, pitch which in seaman's lang- language is a, a boat that goes end over end, which would take extreme conditions to do that to a boat. It pitch polled in that the boat went down into the water and, and the, the back of the boat went straight up in the air. And um, luckily, a man in the coxcat at the time, who was since deceased, he saw the boat um, uh, going up in the air and and sinking, and he called the lifeboat, and we went out and and the conditions the conditions were horrendous. I actually thought that we actually, I said, you know, the boats that were called triple diagonal timber built boats, you know, the boat, the planks were crisscrossed to make them strong, it was like sort of like plywood, I suppose you'd call it now, like and. Um, I remember looking out the small little porthole at the, the bay, at the mouth of the harbour and at the lamp at the mouth of the harbour and thinking, Do you know, there's no way that this timber boat is going to stand the pounding we were getting because getting out over the bar, we always say here that if you can get out over the bar here in a southeasterly gale, you might have a good chance of, of surviving because that is the most dangerous part of the journey is to get out of the harbour. And so after the, maybe 10 minutes, quarter of an hour of plowing through these mountainous waves and hanging down to me, I, like I was uh, young at the time, and I thought, because, you know, we're going, we're just like landing on concrete, and I said, there's no way a timber boat's going to stick this anywhere. We ploughed RNA through and then we carried out a search throughout the evening, and uh, a helicopter came from Brody, where the base was at the time for the uh, Royal, Royal Navy, I think, had a base in Brody in Wales, and they came and they searched up and down the shore, and no trace was found except, um, you know, um, personal belongings of, of, of the boat we found a sleeping bag and bits and pieces but worse was to come not from our point of view but as we went to Anchor for the night then when no further searches could be carried out word was coming in then that there was a major tragedy at um, Pinley in uh, Cornwall you know Pinley is almost at Land's End it's a uh, a small village at the time called Mousehole, or Moosla, as they pronounce it in Cornwall, and the lifeboat launched at about uh, 20 to 9 at night, uh, just coming up to Christmas, obviously, and uh, they were all dead, and the eight people that they went to rescue, all 16 people were dead by about half past nine. In 40 minutes, 16 lives had been turned upside down. So I remember then the, the Coast Guard were trying to call the lifeboat, and um, over the course of the evening, and they were calling Pinley Lightbot, Pinley Lightbot, and there was no reply, and no reply, and then later on the night, then, you know, the radio, not as crackly as I say, it comes, weren't we're as good as they are now, and the next thing we heard, in that there was reports of wreckage being found um, in a cove, uh, strange enough, it was, it was, um, I, um, a phone because I read the book several times, and it was actually a British telecom phone uh, repairman, rang and said he was out fixing the phone in the middle of the storm and he said like there's a ship and a lifeboat um, inside in the cove you know just below us and uh, of course they knew then where they, where they were and uh, sadly they were all asked so it's for, it's for But you land. had
1: to, you and the, the crew, you sat listening to what was unfolding over the radio
2: Absolutely, horrendous, horrendous
1: You'll, um, re- you'll remember that for life
2: Absolutely, and, you know, hopefully later on the year, we're hoping, you know, the, the 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 four or five of us that were on the crew that night, we're hoping to go to Cornwall in um, in December um, because I imagine they'll be having a, a big uh, commemoration and a memorial service yeah. to all those people that lost, you know. But um, it, it proves once again that, you know, that the power of the sea, you know, given the conditions uh, against you, uh, the sea will have you if, it, if you give it a moment, um, you know, take it for granted for a second.
1: Yeah, and then the, uh, and, a, and a more positive one, the dramatic rescue of a gentleman called Trevor Wilson. This was the lone sailor who uh, yes, wrote the book Sailing, Sailing Alone Across the Atlantic.
2: Yeah, I think he, uh, I think Trevor tried, um, uh, that was an interesting story because he had tried, I'd say maybe six times, I think, to cross the Atlantic because if you if you actually Google him, he tried, I think, from the American side once or twice, and he tried several times from the the uh, the UK side. But he had been down when we when we got that again. It was, a, it was one of the few calls, you know, um, that we got on a Sunday morning at the time when when we were at uh, in mass, and it was one of the few calls we got any time that interrupted a religious service. But anyway, we headed off, anyway and, and luckily enough, it wasn't that far. It was probably up to uh, storm twelve conditions. Which is probably the, you know almost the top of the scale of what we get around here anyway, and uh, but strangely enough, actually, I know again testament to the boat builders and and the fundraisers who pay for us uh, the boat we had the twin class was fantastic, and uh, we like obviously we had a lot of um, a lot of banging and belting for the hour and a half to get out to his location, but there was a Spanish trawler had picked up his faint radio call because he had lost his radio his main radio. Uh, two weeks. He was drifting for two weeks. He was down as far as uh, Madeira on his journey to America, and uh, when he uh, he drifted in, and uh, he had no means of cooking and all this type of thing. He drifted aimlessly for for virtually ten days to to fourteen days. And he said he saw the old head the night before, but then the tide changed and the wind changed and he went back offshore again. And eventually then he saw a boat close by. But we were so close to that trawler, it was like having a next-door neighbour now, a a trawler as a next-door (laughs) neighbour, but all we could see of the Spanish trawler was the top of the aerials of his his radio aerials. My goodness. When he was, um, you know, like the... Ben Mallison's song down in the hollow. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's all we could see. And we, we got close to him and we talked about for a few minutes about um, towing. And Dan way was the coxswain at the time and did a great job and get here alongside. And we did consider various options of trying to get a tow, but he was in no fit condition to attach a rope for us. So eventually we decided to, to take to him rescue. off. To rescue
1: him. Yeah, to and, rescue him.
2: Um, and brought him in. But, the, you know, he was taken by ambulance to Cork. And anyway... Uh, make a show, so long. He came back to Coppola that night and I put him up for the night and and all he wanted to do, you know, like I was wrecked after the day and all he wanted to do was tell us the story of his four previous attempts and um, and William Morty, I will know, oh, so, uh, uh, but he was a fantastic and I said, what did you do for a living originally? Oh, he said, I was in the Royal Marines, you know, and uh, like he was as tough as nails. He had, Taken the, the um, sleeves off his uh, jumpers and and modified them to use them as socks because a lot of his clothes had got soaked wet he had gone completely 360 degrees down by Madeira two weeks before
1: A lucky man so, uh, a lucky man to be alive only, uh, and again showing the importance of the of the lifeboat and I know he wrote about the, the fact that he was saved and his thanks to you on, on the lifeboat in his book which is called Sailing Alone Across the Atlantic and then there was another rescue that you did that ended up actually putting Court MacSherry on the map but it was what happened afterwards rather than the rescue itself this is the boat called the uh, the Karma of the East that went on fire in July of
2: 1991 yeah and and the gas thing about it you know you you mentioned earlier on about my 44 years but like the, the, it's it's uh, is it 30 years now for this year that that it's, it's
1: 1991
2: yeah, yeah 30 yeah, years and, in July and it, it was only seems like you know if you ask me I'd have said like 15 years ago but <laughs> 30 years ago we got a, a sort of a routine call enough the conditions were good enough and uh, we towed the yacht in and uh, um, nothing untoward really I knew one of the crew just by accident from Kinsale where we were up the west coast and so on and so forth and we towed them in and put them alongside and we went away about our business and um, about two hours later, anyway, um, uh, all media broke loose. Anyway, that the yacht, uh, the customs um, called down for a routine check and said, "You know what's the story here?" And um, they found the seven and a half million pounds at the time of uh, cannabis resin on board, under under the bed, and in various places around the yacht. So of course, um, obviously, then the whole village was was was. Uh, chock-a-block for the evening then were various news people and photographers and Gardaí and customs and security cardons and so on and so forth. And uh, a few of us then subsequently then were summoned into the trial eventually took place then about five years later. And, you know, that was uh, a sag in itself, you know, to see how the legal system works and so on and so forth. But, uh, it, it's, I mean, obviously we've been eclipsed many times since by uh, catches off Castledown Bear and off uh, down off the Mizen Peninsula, uh, massive quantities. And so you don't ever know, you know, when you let go of the, the moorings above and, and hit the sea, you don't ever know what the circumstances of what you're going to. You know, we, we don't ever judge of of the rights and wrongs. Of what people do, our job is to bring people ashore safely, uh, regardless of nationality, religion or whatever. Well done, well done. You're, de- you're
1: there to save. You're,
2: there to, you're save. there to save. So you don't ever know what twists or turns can can. Happened in your day. You will unfold
1: but, uh, afterwards. Yeah, Actually, there's a lovely text in saying, best wishes to Court McSherry lifeboat crew. We will never forget their kindness. And that's from the Burke family in Mill Street, who I think have gone on to be, um, and that was their 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 son. They lost their son in, in oh, a tragedy. Yes, yeah. And uh, they've gone on, I know, to do so much fundraising uh, for the Court McSherry uh, lifeboat. They do indeed. So, indeed.
2: Yeah, they're, they're, you know, because it's sometimes hard, you know, to get them, um, fundraising, sort of active uh, in inland places, you know, and they live in Mill Street and they've been very loyal over the years to us ever since that tragedy and, and helping help us raise money and bring the, you know, because lots of people think, you know, the strange thing about it, we all think, you know, we grew up with it as I say and we see boats all our life, but lots of people think in from inland areas that I'll never be needing the lifeboat, you know, I don't mm. want to see, I'm not a say, professional sailor, you know, and yet the actual opposite is the case because, you know, the 50% of people that were rescued last year by lifeboats around the coast of, of the UK and Ireland never intended to get, go into water at all. They were, you know, so again, coming up to this weekend, I'd caution people again, hill walkers, coastal walkers, people who their dog runs into the water and they said, oh, he's going to drown and they're going after him. It's happening with increasing regularity. So I would stress again, coming up to this weekend especially. You may never intend to be a sailor, you're never going to take part in the fastest race, but you know, always be, always be conscious of where you are. You're you, 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 Lots of the lovely paths that wave around now, both the Seven Heads and all throughout West Cork, are fabulous, you know, but be careful where you're going. Don't think, I've got to go down this path here now. Uh, you don't know what the conditions are like, and you know, uh, so loads of people. So it's great to see that, you know, fundraising moving inland because lots of those people, unfortunately, throughout their lifetime will need the RNLI and will need Cormachary Lifeboat and the other lifeboats of of the coast of Ireland. Well said.
1: And And as as you've mentioned, the the sea is beautiful and we love it and all that, but never forget the power of uh, the sea. I I read something interesting about you and I'm wondering, is it a record? You've visited all the 238 RNLI lifeboat stations in the UK. You've personally visited all of them.
2: Well, a good, uh, we set up a bit of a kind of, a, I, I suppose, this, this is probably a social group we set up. in. in uh, we were asked to go to Cornwall to a concert for the, in celebration of the Lifeboat Mint, cause they, another link now to Pinley, but uh, to, to go to a concert in Truro Cathedral. And we were asked to bring over a, a, a few singers, you know, and we were never found wanting there if we'd get any encouragement at all. And so we said we'd go and... As we were there, we went to a few light bus stations, um, you know, new key, you know, up the coast, and we went to Padstow. And we thought, gosh, you know, it's very interesting, you know, the things you see and the comparisons that you can make and the pluses that we have on our side. And sometimes, you know, maybe not pluses, but, you know, uh, taking it all as a package, you, 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 you learn something everywhere. And we thought, God, we'll, go, we'll do that again. So we, we started to organise it then the following year. And we then over the course of 15, 16 years, we visited every lifeboat station from um, <laughs> Jersey in the south, in the Channel Islands, to uh, the Shetland Islands in the north, which is you know further north than Bergen uh, in Norway. It's a long way north, and, and all every station in the UK. Well done, Isle of man! Every, and you know, if this is any comfort to people, you know, who sometimes you know we can we can find fault with everything in Ireland. Everything is this and that and other. And and, uh, and what we were amazed at, but that. The lucky position that we are here in Copper Shelley Lifeboat and in other stations around us is that we have a waiting list of people wanting to join the crew. Uh, you know, as soon as they get 17, 18, they're, they're on to the secretary, the law, Cardinal. Uh, is there any chance I could put my name down? Give me a forum. I'd like to join the crew. And we were in stations, in amongst all those stations, Now we were in stations that had advertisements in the local... Newspapers and the local free sheets and then posters in the window. Would you like to join our team? Much bigger places than Copper much bigger places than Baltimore and Castle Bear. And they were desperate to get crew. Sometimes instead of a panel of 30, they had only a bear, maybe 10, maybe, you know, and so then with holidays or sicknesses or people. Well, that walking puts
1: away, pressure on all the volunteers. then. So yeah. that's the one
2: thing we learned. And, and, you know, we thought here, you know, that. Sometimes our infrastructure, we 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 complain about it and whatever, and we can say, "Cos you know, we went to places with sort of, you know, poorer peers." than, you know, uh, we often think that you know, within reason, we're reasonably well served by the way our peers are, are looked after. You know, and what I'll be probably Michael Collins, he you he, know probably on the phone out here straight away. <laughs> but uh, but uh, there uh, that we have a great infrastructure and and you know a great team of people who are willing to volunteer and help out, but. You know, and
1: families uh, behind that team of volunteers who correct. allow their loved ones to to go out and do, and do the incredible work that you do.
2: Yeah, because you know it's very easy for us to be there and we there and never photographing the paper or whatever and saying, "We did this that, you know, but we mustn't forget that behind all that, theres a fantastic team of family. Volunteer fundraisers. Mm. Uh, it's been curtailed, obviously, with the COVID now, and you know, I would encourage people to try and get involved in the May Day campaign now to try and replace some of the the millions that have been lost. You know, because it's quite expensive to run uh, a life station. You know, the, the fuel alone every year, the, the the build costs of the new Shannon that will be coming here in a couple of years' time will be close to two million. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, the fundraisers and the designers and the maintenance people who. who put that fantastic facility under the volunteer crew. And, and you know, the volunteer crew are very appreciative of that, that it doesn't happen, you know, we can all go up with our, our chest strutted out saying, oh, you know I'm a lifeboat man and I go to sea. But there is a massive team and effort and people that give money in their wills, that people stand outside in the days when they could do it, stand outside churches with the collection buckets and go to shopping centres on certain days. This all adds to the mix of the health. It's a of team. It's,
1: it's a it's specialty. a it's a big team. But you guys who go out to see are the real heroes. Before I let you go, when you mentioned uh, you that you like to sing a song, were you part of the Phil Coulter?
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
2: I was actually yeah, hey, hey. because I remember a lot of messim Des Bateman was the secretary at the time and he came down I say it must have been about nineteen ninety again, now like where you know everything is years upon years ago but, and he said to me, uh, the the Yarnal putting together Phil Cooler started writing a song, you know, because he had his own personal tragedies involving his family.
1: He lost his brother, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, in 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 Loxwilly, And he said he'd love to do something. So we went to Dublin. And we had two because we recorded. In case anyone you know, people think that you know that I never recorded an album, just to put them back in their box. Or you recorded in the same <laughs> studio as you two.
1: Hey, and yeah, actually, I'm so, just seeing. I have to take a quick break, but we're going to play uh, Phil Coulter and Home from the Sea. I've got to leave it there, Michael. Emmy Hall. It's yeah, been a sorry. real, real pleasure.
2: Uh, Patricia, before you go, could, yeah. I, could I do a, ask me a favour? Uh, my neighbour, of only five doors up, uh, Mrs. Crowley is 101 tomorrow.
1: Oh, and happy birthday, Mrs. Crowley!
2: And we should the very best from our neighbours down the street.
1: Will indeed. And we we will play home from the sea, especially for Mihal, Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Today on C103.
2: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G
0: dot I-E. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed